You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, subscribe, check out 415ers on the Odyssey app, as well as wherever you download your podcast from. We got big news today, Mark. We finally got a schedule, something tangible that we can cling on to, that we can discuss, that we can break down 17 games of football for the 49ers upcoming this year. We also got some Kyle Shanahan to discuss about his quarterback room. Before we do all that, Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, fired up about this schedule. Uh, we knew the opponents and and we knew you know some other things that have been coming out recently, but you know, you can always tell who the opponents are once the previous season ends because, you you know, if you're a division winner, you play the division winners and then you, you trade off every third year or whatever. You play every team from a certain division. So you had an idea, you had a sense, um, but it's it's really great to finally have concrete evidence of what the season is going to look like, where the team is going, where they'll be, what road trips they have. Do they have a game in Europe? Uh, spoiler, they do not. We'll, we'll break down every angle of it coming up in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm doing well overall personally, but just fired up about the NFL schedule release because I've been waiting for this for a while. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, obviously, it, it's a tense time in the Bay Area for those <laughs> basketball fans out there. The Warriors are going into game six. Football fans are tense because you're trying to figure out you know, perhaps your travel plans. <laughs> I got a friend of mine, Mark, who's a big Steelers fan. We want to go see the Niners and the Steelers. Okay. However, we did not foresee that being the first game, the first <laughs> week of the season. So we might have to put those travel plans on hold because uh. I don't know if you can get the time off in September. But the thing that we can talk about, you know, just some generic kind of breakdowns of the schedule here. You're looking at five primetime games this year. You got two, interestingly enough, on Thursday night. This is the first time in NFL history that you are one, not required to have a Thursday night game. And two, of course, could have multiple Thursday night games. They also have multiple Monday night games, one Sunday night game. They will travel the most, the second most miles in the NFL behind fellow division rival Seattle. Um, the strength of schedule is always something that is kind of, you know, it, it moves around constantly throughout the year. But based on last year's final record, the four downers are right in the middle, 15th, the most favorable schedule in their division, because of course they don't have to play themselves. And their over-under win total this year, Mark, is 11 and a half. So before we dig in, I want to give you the floor and ask for your immediate kind of overall takeaways when you saw this schedule. Uh, for me, it's uh, the travel. Uh, and I know that's kind of a, a big thing. If you're on Twitter, you follow a lot of 49ers people, you'll see that. Uh, something that you just said, and if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can see it written up there. The Niners are going to travel the second most miles in the NFL this year. I get that that sounds bad, um, but it's also kind of expected. It's what happens when you're on the West Coast. And the Seattle Seahawks will almost always be the team that travels the most because they are the most isolated team in the league. You look at just the, you know, the, the, the geography of the NFL, every team on the East Coast, even in the, even in the middle of the country, even say the Kansas City Chiefs, they're so bunched up in that part of the country that you don't have to travel all that far for a bunch of your games. 
uh, but it's different for teams out West, specifically the Seattle Seahawks. So for me, I don't think the travel is that big of a deal, Evan. The good news is they don't have a game uh, in Europe, so you don't have to travel out to Europe and get acclimated to time out there and then travel back and get reacclimated to time out here. However, the, the way that the schedule works out, Evan, it's it becomes a little more difficult for the, the 49ers to kind of knock out two, two road trips for the price of one, which they have done in the past quite often. You remember last year, they had back-to-back games at Carolina, at Atlanta. They stayed out east two straight weeks. They went to the Greenbrier in between, and, you know, you talk about all the fun activities they, they do there, good team bonding, yada, yada, yada. But the main reason is you don't want to have to, you know, go from the western time zone to the eastern time zone, go back to the western time zone, and then come back to the eastern time zone. That's not easy for a human being to do. And then the other side is, is that's just – you know, a lot of travel where you could be spending it doing more productive things. Uh, But you look at how the schedule works out. You mentioned week one in Pittsburgh. Then they return to the West Coast. It is at the Rams, not a home game, but then they return uh, to the West Coast. They have a game in Cleveland against the Browns. That's followed up by a game in Minnesota. That's similar locations, but it's a different time zone. So it's not quite as easy and it doesn't lend itself to a, a stay over trip. I still think the Niners might do that. And then you have at the Jaguars a few weeks later, that is after a buy. So that's a little bit easier to swallow. You also have at the Eagles and at the commanders. And my whole point here, Evan, is that most of these big road trip games don't have happen consecutively. So the 49ers are making multiple trips out to the Eastern time zone. And it's something that really benefited them last year. What was it after what week 11 or 12, maybe even week 10, they didn't have to travel outside of their own time zone once. Like it was, it was remarkable how the schedule set up for them last year. It's not the case this year. I don't think it's quite as big of a deal. At least it's not surprising to me. Um, but it's certainly a, a more challenging travel schedule for the 49ers than it was last year. Yeah, to, to piggyback off of that, the biggest thing that jumped out to me compared to last season, not only the travel, but the lack of not overall home games, but condensed home games because mm. the 49ers had a very front-loaded schedule when it comes to road games. And I think that's a big reason we saw them start at 3-3 three and three in addition to, of course, the quarterback carousel that happened at the beginning of the year. But this year, you're not exactly looking at an advantageous home schedule. Last year, they had a stretch after the bye week mark, which you know we talked about. It was in, in a seamless transition from Garoppolo to Purdy. A big part of that was because he got to play at home. After the bye last year, I think they had four of their first five games at home and five of seven games at home after the bye week. This year... Their longest kind of immediate stretch of home games would be from weeks three to five at home, but four of six prior to the bye at home. Outside of that, you're pretty much going back and forth between home and road. That's a big reason you're seeing those second most miles pile up for the 49ers. So I'm very interested to see how they react uh, and how they perform to not only just having, of course, go on the road you know, slightly more than last season, but the fact that they're jostling back and forth between Levi's Stadium and other venues, how are they going to react to that? And they're going to have to be up to it uh, because, of course, when you're 
a team that finishes in the final four, you are going to be hit with not only just expectations, uh, but a little more difficulty when it comes to your overall schedule. Even though the strength is only 15th, I think it plays a lot more difficult than a middle-of-the-pack schedule. Yeah, and something to note, obviously, now in the second year of 18-week seasons, 17 games for each team, you have an odd number of you know home versus road games they don't they're not equal and last year the 49ers had the one extra home game and they kind of had almost two extra home games or at least one fewer road game because one of their road games was in Mexico City against the Arizona Cardinals and and while they weren't playing at home the Niners were certainly the more uh, supported team down there in Mexico City so the 49ers had the advantage from that perspective last year as well this year Evan eight home games nine road games. And, and that's also a reason why the Niners have more travel miles than a number of other teams. They just simply have more trips to make. Uh, so I'm with you. It is certainly more challenging. But last year, I think, was kind of an anomaly travel-wise, at least the second half of the season. Everything kind of broke their way. And you're right. It did kind of lend itself to trying to fit in a rookie quarterback. Uh, who knows how that process would have went. Um, if, if, you know, the Niners were traveling at, at that moment, like what if, what if his first start was in Tampa Bay instead of at home against Tampa Bay, that, that might've been a big difference. Uh, one thing that, that is a positive, uh, and it was very similar last year, the 49ers buy is right smack dab in the middle of it all. They have a week nine buy. Uh, I think you asked the majority of NFL players and they would tell you, uh, you like that buy right there in the middle as kind of an intermission point. Uh, so you can kind of reset get ready for the second half. You know what's in front of you. At that point, you have a good idea if you need to put together a win streak to get where you want to go. If you're already leading your division, if you just need to make sure you don't fumble the bag too much to, to win your division, that's a really good time to have a buy. You'd rather have it there in the middle than in the beginning. I think you'd rather have it in, in the middle than super late because you could be limping to that buy at that point. Maybe it makes you stronger the final couple of weeks and potentially into the postseason. But I think the safest bet is a midseason buy, and the Niners do get the benefit of that, at least, which is nice. Yeah, of course, they also get the benefit of playing in a, a pretty weak division. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but before we, we kind of dig into how they stack up with both the rest of the NFC and, of course, their own division, I do want to ask you, Mark, what, what are the games that you're looking forward to this year? Because I got, I got a couple penciled here. Uh, that first Thursday night game against the Giants in week three, I, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, also, don't sleep on the potential week two at L.A. Uh, the Rams are a team that is reformed, especially that defense, but they might be able to catch it early in the season, especially if you don't know what your quarterback situation is going to be. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on as well. Uh, but the three games that I am looking at begin from November 23rd to December 10th, in which you got at Seattle on Thanksgiving, Thursday night football, and then, of course, an NFC championship rematch in week 13 against Philadelphia at Philadelphia. And then you return home to play Seattle just two weeks later, I guess two and a half weeks later after the Thursday night game. Uh, but that is kind of the, in my opinion, where I think we're going to figure out what this season is for the 49ers. And I know it's hard to look ahead and you never know what's going to happen, but those three games are what drew me immediately in when I saw the schedule when it first came out. Uh, yeah, I, I had the same three games scheduled. It is the 49ers on Thanksgiving in Seattle, and it is the, the final of three games of the NFL's Thanksgiving slate. Uh, so it's scheduled for 
primetime, 520 Pacific time, Niners at Seattle on Thanksgiving. I don't know how your family normally works, Evan. That's generally for me, right when we're sitting down to eat Thanksgiving dinner, we try to get it earlier. Uh, but, you know, things get delayed. You know, we're all having a good time having drinks. It gets delayed. Uh, so I'm going to have to try to get my family down to the dinner table early so we can be done uh, and, and and be able to watch that game. Um, that one's certainly going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, as, as you mentioned, the Eagles come up next and then Seattle again. But I was diving into this kind of thinking that's that's a tough break for the 49ers. You have those three games against your most hated division rival and against the team that ended your season last year in a potential NFC championship game preview once again, potentially. I mean, I think most teams would argue, most people would argue those two teams, the Eagles and the 49ers are the two best teams in the NFC right now. But I I got to digging just a little bit. The 49ers have the Thursday game on Thanksgiving against Seattle, and then they have the game against Philadelphia the following week. And it's, you know, multiple days later, more than just a week later, they play on November 23rd and then December 3rd. You kind of have the mini buy after a Thursday game leading up to perhaps your game against the most physical team on your schedule. So I think that's a mini win for the 49ers. You're going into Philadelphia with a bit of a rest advantage because Philadelphia, they don't play on Thanksgiving. They play on that Sunday. Uh, And it's against the Buffalo Bills, another really physical and really good team. And guess who they play just before they play the Buffalo Bills? They play the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're the Eagles, you're looking at Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, a three-week stretch. The 49ers will go in there with a rest advantage, and they'll go in there knowing that Philadelphia probably feeling a little bit beaten up after taking on the Chiefs and the Bills. So what at first stood out to me is kind of an unfortunate scheduling quirk for the 49ers because they put so many key games right next to each other. I think that one actually benefits the 49ers because the Niners have that mini buy and the Eagles have a couple of really, really challenging games just before the 49ers come to town. I mean, th- this is how it works. When you are the top, when you are the the, the pick of the litter, which the Eagles were last year, and the 49ers were the runner-ups, unfortunately, uh, you get hit with some tough stretches. So yeah. even though, like Mark said, the 49ers have a, a three-difficult stretch game right there towards not quite the very end of the season, but around the time you start to figure out the identity of the team and perhaps their ceiling, uh, they're going to run into another team that also has a similar difficult stretch. This is the 415ers podcast, as always, coming to you on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network twice a week here in the offseason, three times a week in season, which we finally know when we'll begin, who they're going to play, because the NFL schedule was, was released as we're recording this on Wednesday. For those of you listening on Thursday, we very much appreciate it. Please go to the Odyssey app, download it, rate, subscribe to the podcast. Also, check out a host of other podcasts. We very much appreciate it. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. Okay, Mark, as far as... The, the schedule for the 49ers, you mentioned the Eagles. Uh, I had a chance to also look at what the rest of the West is doing in the NFC. And this, I, I understand Seattle is a threat, and I know they had a pretty good draft as well. But this should be the 49ers division for the taking. And I think that's reflected in their win total. They're 11 and a half. Uh, Seattle's eight and a half. The Rams are seven and a half. The Cardinals are five and a half which I think is a little bit generous. <laughs> but uh, if, if you had to sort of 
I guess, go through. First, we'll start with the 49ers, but just kind of the rest of the teams. I don't know if you had to take an over under guess on these on these four groups. Uh, where 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 would your mind and uh, your bets lean? So let me make sure I have the numbers right. SF eleven and a half. Yep. Uh, Seattle. What, what was Seattle's number? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Uh, LA. Seven and a half. Seven and a half, and then five and a half for Arizona, right? Yes. Hmm. I think the the Niners number at eleven and a half is pretty spot on. Um. I, I don't think the 49ers are able to repeat 13 wins like they did last year. Last year, I think I picked 12, but 11 to me feels feels good to me. I, I think I might go 11 and 6 for the 49ers this year. If there was a little bit more um, clarity regarding the quarterback position, Evan, I think I'd be more tempted to take the over and say they're getting to 12 wins. And I know we will get to what Kyle Shanahan said here in just a little bit. He seems confident about Brock Purdy's progress. Um, but still, I, I think the question in the quarterback room is enough for me to take the under, but I would be uncomfortable betting that one. I think 11, um, I feel perhaps most strongly that the the Arizona Cardinals are not winning six games. So I think I'd take the under on that one. If I had to just take one bet from this group, I think it might be Arizona's under. That's the one I feel most strongly. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think 11 and a half is right, but I also feel confident in saying the 49ers should be at the least 12 and five. And mm -hmm. I know that there's some speculation about the quarterback position, which we'll get into. Uh, Kyle Shanahan feels confident. I also feel confident and I feel optimistic in this team because of their roster, because of their trajectory, and because, <laughs> quite frankly, of their division. I think the Rams are not going to win seven games. Or, or eight games, I guess. So I would take the under on seven and a half. I would absolutely take the under and hammer it on Arizona. <laughs> the Rams this year have the ninth toughest schedule in the NFL. They play nine road games, and really outside of the beginning of their schedule, it gets kind of tough when you're looking at the amount of playoff teams they have. Speaking of which, Arizona starts their season with six of eight playoff teams from last year. <laughs> and I believe by that point, even with Kyler Murray probably available optimistically for the last six, seven games of the season, by that point, they're going to be so far out of it, you might even consider not even bringing him back at all. And then Seattle, I, I, I'm very curious to see how they respond this year. They, they're tied for the 12th toughest schedule but they're going to be playing this year with expectation, which they did not have any sort of expectation last year. I know that heading into, I think it's week five, they have a favorable schedule. They get Cincinnati in week five, so they could potentially be looking at a three and two or four and one start. Um, but I expect some regression from Geno Smith. I expect that defense to be with a full year of tape around it, taking advantage of it a little bit more kind of like the 49ers did in the playoffs last year, I don't see them getting to nine wins. And I expect the 49ers to get above 11 wins. So, I mean, I, I right now I would lean under on the rest of the division. It sounds kind of like a homer pick, uh, but then the 49ers <laughs> I, would, I would take the over on. I'll go I'll go 12 and 5. That'll be my prediction this year for the 49ers. All right, well, I'm going to stick with 11 and 6 for now. I, I know I think... Our plan, we haven't talked about this explicitly yet, but once we get closer to the start of the season, we'll come out with more detailed predictions for the season and how it all plays out. But if I had to pick right now, I, I think I'd say 11 and 6. But again, subject to change. I don't know how I feel about Seattle because I'm at this spot where 
I don't feel like it's cool or right or fair to not believe in Geno Smith anymore because he had such a great year, but I'm, I'm still just hesitant. Uh, I really think they've done a fantastic job. Their front office has as much as it pains me to say the last two off seasons, um, specifically in the draft, they haven't made a ton of noise free agency wise. I still don't think they really have addressed their defensive line, which was an issue last year. Um, they do not rush the quarterback. And I think that's going to come back to bite them again this year, Evan. Um, but their draft class from last year is just fantastic. And, and logic would say that they're going to get better this year. And I thought they had a fantastic draft. I know we'll also dive into to each NFC West team as well. Once we get closer towards the start of the season and, and focus on how their off seasons went. Uh, I think Seattle probably maybe had the best off season of the division. Uh, we can talk more about that later, but I I'm at the spot where I love everything about their roster, except for a couple of spots. And one of those spots is the quarterback, but I feel bad not believing in Geno Smith because he had just such a storybook year last year. Um, if I felt a little more confident about them, I would easy take the over for Seattle. Um, but I, I, I just can't bring myself to do that with Geno Smith at quarterback. Yeah. And, and I don't expect him to fall back into the Geno of the New York jets or the guy that was the journeyman prior to last year. I, I just don't think he can replicate the kind of, I mean, frankly, dominant season that he had as a quarterback. He, he was unbelievable, especially in that first half. And I think we saw the second half of the season, the kind of quarterback that will show up for the majority of this year. Not to say he's not good, uh, but a top potential seven quarterback in the NFL, I do not think Geno Smith uh, Smith is. Um I do have a, a, a bit of a, a bold prediction, though, and, and if you okay. have one, you can share it. But my bold prediction, based on the NFL schedule that was released for the 49ers, they will clinch the division in Week 12 in Seattle on Thursday Night Football. That is when they will take the NFC West. They will get revenge for 2014 when Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson were eating turkey legs at – Levi's Stadium, essentially locking up the division for that year. The 49ers fell off a cliff at the end of that game. The 49ers, instead of Sherman and Wilson, it's going to be Brock and Bosa eating turkey legs on Thanksgiving at Seattle. They will win the division there. They won it last year in Seattle. They do it again at Lumen Field this season. They get it done the first time right before they head to Philadelphia on Thanksgiving night. That is an early clinch. Wow, you you take the under big time for Seattle then, huh? I mean, that's yeah. that's week. I mean, that's the Niners' eleventh game of the year. So what? You think they're going to be on an eight and three at that point with a win and still have? Oh man, they might have to be ten and one at that point to clinch that early. I mean, maybe I don't I don't know, but it it's a bold prediction, Mark. <laughs> True. True. And, uh, and I mean, Hey, Kyle Shannon seems pretty confident. He's going to have his signal caller under center. So that guy hasn't lost a game yet. Who knows? They might be 11 and zero. you're right. You're right. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I, I did just want to make sure we explicitly said, uh, I, I know you mentioned the national television games, five of them. I mm -hmm. do think there's a chance, uh, that they get at least six. We talked about that Philadelphia game between those two Seattle games. That is not currently a nationally televised game. But at that point of the season, you often have games flexed into Sunday night football. 
So if both the Eagles and the 49ers are on the trajectory that we expect, perhaps that game does get flexed in, just something to keep an eye on there. But I did want to explicitly say, we're talking a lot about this Thanksgiving game in Seattle, Thursday night football, third game of the NFL's Thanksgiving slate, November 23rd in Seattle week 12. Then a handful of weeks later, the 49ers at home against the Ravens on Christmas Day. And that's a nationally televised game as well. So the 49ers play on Thanksgiving. They play on Christmas Day. And then the next week, they play at the Washington Commanders on New Year's Eve. So the, I know it's just sometimes the way that the uh, the calendar falls, you know, when you have those holidays falling on Saturdays and or Sundays and Mondays, you have teams playing in those games. But the 49ers will be featured on Thanksgiving, on Christmas Day, and on New Year's Eve. Kind of kind of wild. It is pretty interesting. No, they they have a lot of I think. I don't know, kind of unique games and especially like last year, I think it was a little more projectable just because of the ups and downs. The, the travel was a little more consistent at the beginning, less so towards the end. And it was very front loaded as opposed to kind of an easier schedule towards the back this year. It's kind of all over the place. So it's interesting, but I do have confidence that the 49ers again can be just about ready to wrap this baby up by week 12. We shall see. Uh, this is the 415ers podcast brought to you as always on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network 957 the game. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please check out the Odyssey app, check out the 415ers, check out all the great podcasts they have. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Gennings coming at you twice here a week in the offseason. Okay, the other big news of the day, the week was Kyle Shanahan discussing his quarterback room. He did so at the Dwight Clark Legacy Series event. And there were a couple of big Quotes, takeaways from this, and as only Kyle Shanahan can do, uh, <laughs> distributing massive amounts of love with very little explanation. And that is because he discussed Brock Purdy, saying that he sees Brock ready for training camp, barring a setback. So, you know, we've done the math on the surgery and when he's able to return to throwing. He said he's going through, I think it was motions, but he's using a towel instead yeah. of a football. So he's going through, quote, violent motions right now without the <laughs> obvious, most essential part of this. Um, he also called Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold, quote, franchise-like quarterbacks. So, Mark, where do you want to start? Uh, first of all, about uh, Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan saying without a setback, they expect him back by training camp. I'll just say I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think I need to go down the road at why. Uh, I have talked about my skepticism regarding that really all off season since, of course, the injury happened the day the season ended. It, it has been the number one story since then. Uh, I'll leave it at that. For me, uh. Kyle Shanahan's comments about Trey Lance, and this is probably going to just sound extremely cynical. And please tell me if it is. Please tell me if I'm way off base here. For me, his comments about Trey Lance are, well, behind closed doors, we just tried to trade this guy. We didn't quite get the offers that we wanted. I'm going to talk the hell out of this guy, try to drive up the price, let everyone know I still love him. They're going to have to up the ante if they want to acquire him. Uh, and then they'll they'll move on from there. I don't know. That's just how I feel. That was the my first gut instinct, and and I tend to be on the cynical side of things. So maybe I'm totally off base. Maybe I'm wrong there, Evan. But it just seemed to me a little bit. I don't know. It it seemed too different 
from the way that he's talked about Trey Lance in the recent past. This seemed like a, a big change for Kyle Shanahan and what really has Trey Lance done in this short period of time to warrant that kind of change in messaging. It just, it didn't quite add up to me. Yeah, I, I'm with you for the most part. And to further your point, I think he also went on to say that should Trey Lance have not been injured at the beginning of last season, he could have gone on to have a Brock Purdy-like, uh, to paraphrase, but to have a Brock Purdy-like yeah. season, essentially saying he could have achieved you know, maybe what, what Brock did if he'd had the chance, and it was stripped from him, of course. So, so yes, uh, c- compared to the guy that's putting Sam Darnold in the same conversation with him, he now puts Trey Lance in the same conversation with both Darnold as well as Brock Purdy. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting and something that, Yes, I don't think Trey Lance is all of a sudden off the trade block when you hear all the rest of the rumors that have nothing to do with Kyle Shanahan, which at this point I'm more inclined to believe. (laughs) Um, Because when Kyle Shanahan speaks about his quarterbacks, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's C.J. Beathard or Nate like he is just so vague. And and to get specific about all three of these guys now, uh, to me, even though he called them franchise-like it, let, let me let me rephrase that for you, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> All three of those guys, I would say, actually, Brock Purdy maybe has the best chance to be franchise-like. Trey Lance and Sam Darnold right now are franchise-liked quarterbacks. <laughs> that is what they are at this point. And the fact that you're trying to talk these guys up, just to me, it, 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 it almost does them a disservice because now you're going to draw these fans back in expecting something that you won't even potentially give them an opportunity to prove. And I just really don't understand where it's coming from outside of maybe you're trying to give a guy a good quote and credit to David Lombardi of the athletic, because I believe this is where it was reported. Yeah, that that's where I found it as well from David Lombardi. Uh, one thing I, I did find that Kyle Shanahan said about Trey Lance interesting um, was his comment about how Trey Lance broke his finger which we knew that was his rookie year when he was filling in for Jimmy Garoppolo spot starts here and there he had the the game against the Seattle Seahawks where he played really the entire second half after Jimmy Garoppolo went down and then he started the following game on the road in Arizona in a in a loss and then of course he had the game the very end of the regular season one week away from the end of the regular season against the Texans but he didn't play much that year besides those three games, but he suffered that, you know, relatively major finger injury. Um, and, and what David Lombardi as is quoting Kyle Shanahan is saying from this Dwight Clark event is that he spent a whole year throwing a football without a bent finger because his broken finger didn't quite heal. Right. Um, and so we had to spend an entire off season trying to just rehab his grip so he could go back to throwing a football how he normally had. And that was last offseason. He's trying to just rehab that finger. So leading into the season in which he's going to be the starter, where Jimmy Garoppolo is supposedly going to be out of here. Of course, we all know what ended up happening. But that whole offseason, Trey Lance really wasn't able to really just focus on what a starting quarterback should focus on a, a young starting quarterback should focus on. He had to focus on rehabbing a, a poorly healed broken finger on his throwing hand, just so he could get back to throwing the ball in a way that he feels comfortable doing so. So it almost feels like Trey Lance was behind the eight ball to begin 
last year when he was the projected starter. And then, of course, the injury happened and, and we know the rest of the history. But I thought that was interesting since as far as I know, Evan, we didn't really get that sort of information about Trey Lance's finger that it really took all offseason for it to heal and that he threw his entire rookie year with a straight finger uh, when it, that's not how you throw a football. Just imagine trying to throw a football with a straight finger. It, it doesn't work. You need that for your grip and to, to put pressure on the ball and to get a spiral and to to zip it in past the defenders and, and put enough behind it so that it gets to your receiver's That was interesting to me, Evan, because we didn't hear it before. And it gives me, if it's true, it gives me a little bit of confidence that Trey Lance, the Trey Lance we saw in a limited capacity last year, um, isn't the Trey Lance that he, he might be now. That with a normal season, with a normal hand and normal fingers, he might be a better thrower of the football. Well, I know we've talked about this offseason and, you know, we've had some some various bold predictions about who's going to start, who's going to play what. At this point, I I feel optimistic that Brock Purdy will be back, maybe not by training camp. I think that's a little overzealous on the part of Shanahan, especially when I think it was about a month ago, maybe more so, he was kind of tempering expectations, saying could be six months, could be eight. <laughs> so it's interesting to see him sort of flip back on, on that probably for better, at least I hope so. Uh, But between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, because I do think that one of them will start the beginning of this season. I think you're on the same page. Who do you think, if if all signs are true about Trey Lance's finger and him being a franchise-like quarterback, uh, who would your money be on right now to start this season, Mark? Oh, God, I have no clue. (laughs) This is uh, my... I want it to be Trey Lance so badly, but I just have no confidence that the 49ers have confidence in Trey Lance. So if I was a betting man, if I had to put my hard-earned money on it, Evan, and I do not suggest doing this at this point because I have no clue, but if I had to, I think I would guess Sam Darnold, but I do not feel good or comfortable about it. All right. You can have Sam Darnold. I'll take Trey Lance. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Flip a coin at this point. <laughs> I don't know who the hell is going to be the starting quarterback at the four for the 49ers. Uh, I mean, gosh, knowing the way this thing is going by by week eight, it could be. Um, I don't know who. Help me out, Mark. Who, who did they just sign? The guy from the Bengals, Brandon Allen. Could be Brandon Allen. <laughs> could be. Shoot, you got a better chance of being an Allen than. I don't know. Like, okay. So yeah, I would say at this point to me, Purdy will play, I think at least 14 games this year. Uh, of course, assuming he doesn't get re-injured on the yeah. back end. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Trey Lance should and will start this season. If Kyle Shanahan's really hyping him up the way he appears to be. Uh, but, but we will see. That will do it for this episode of the 415ers podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Of course, big stuff with the schedule. We're going to get into the rest of the division in our upcoming episodes. We're also going to dig into some of the future comments from Kyle Shanahan looking ahead to OTAs and, of course, position battles. A lot to review for the 49ers this offseason. And now we finally know who they're going to play. So very excited about that. But we appreciate you tuning in for this this episode. We'll be back next Tuesday, twice a week here in the offseason, Tuesday, Thursday. Thanks for sticking around. And uh, we will talk to you next time.